Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and I'm here today to talk about what it takes to parent a highly sensitive child, to stay energized with that, to stay resilient, and the reason why I wanted to talk about it today is because I, um, I've been noticing a theme with my clients and helping them manage the how draining it can be to, to parent a highly sensitive child. So wanted to get on today to give you some tools on addressing that. And so when we focus on this, our The biggest thing that's important to recognize is that your, you know, other parents and and you yourself can feel really alone and lonely parenting a highly sensitive child. So this is one of the big things that I, you know, one of the big reasons why I started the the Facebook group, Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja, and, and started branching out of my own little nook in Maryland. And that's because I I know that parents need this support and it's hard to collect all of you into, you know, the small little pockets in every corner of the U.S. And, and some of you who are from from overseas or, you know, in different countries. So reason behind that is that I started to notice a trend over the course of my many years working as a therapist and, you know, child therapist work and, and helping parents with parenting is that a lot of parents of highly sensitive kids, most if not all parents of highly sensitive kids, are not being met with any support that's effective in their communities. So now that might be just who they talk to, like their parents or um, their friends or their sisters, um, you know, what have you, because people don't understand what it takes to parent a highly sensitive child. And so that leaves you feeling, like I said, alone, lonely, um, wondering and questioning whatever the heck you're doing and whether or not it's working, feeling like you're throwing everything at the wall and not knowing what's going to stick because you're trying to take you know, everybody and their mother's advice and, and half of that, you're taking it with a grain of salt. The other half, you're like, oh, maybe this will work. This sounds like a great magic wand that might help my kid. And it leaves you feeling like, you know, sometimes I use the metaphor of like seaweed just floating in the ocean, like waving around while the, you know, um, the waves are just like tossing you um, over and over because your kiddo is really struggling. And, and if you're dealing with daily meltdowns, it can be exhausting and take feel like it's taking forever to see any progress because you're talking over and over again with your kid about what it is that they're you know they need to do differently and it just doesn't seem like anything's working so I wanted to um, really speak about that and and address how you can manage some of that draining energy and and help you 
find ways to stay focused on your goal, which is to help your child manage their emotions more effectively, but also to feel like an effective parent, which is a result, a byproduct of having a great relationship with your kid. So, you know, it's not just that you get your kid to, after the meltdown, share their emotions with you and, and share their worries, but the the great you know, the sign of a great relationship is that they come to you before that happens, that they're not holding it all in anymore and that they're not uh, waiting until the meltdown is processed with you. And so um, I think it's really important to to help parents. And I've talked about this before, help parents see that parenting a highly sensitive child and dealing with daily meltdowns or dealing with meltdowns regularly every week is does not go hand in hand. And I'm not going to necessarily go on that soapbox today because it's it's something that I've I've addressed pretty thoroughly over the last several weeks because it's been such a theme that I've been noticing in the in the group that I run but um I definitely wanted to touch on it today because that's part of the part of the issue is that you need somebody in your corner who can help you stay focused on that because a, a lot of parents at this rate would give up they would tell their kid to suck it up and and deal and and they would just check out of the relationship. And so the fact that you're here and listening and it's really important to have that community, but it's also important for you to have some pretty direct strategies of of what you can do to beat the naysayers over the head with, um, you know, metaphorical clubs. (laughs) Um, So that's another goal that we're going to be addressing today in in this conversation um, is to have a steadfast resolution that you're parenting your child in a way that's actually effective and, and uh, going to get you the result that you want, which is again, feeling this feeling that you are connected to your child, that you know what might um, trigger their, their overwhelmed emotions um, and how to get out ahead of it so that you're not seeing those regular meltdowns um, as frequently as you see them now. And one of the things that I think is important to to do around that is is not to just talk about, you know, your sense of self-care and, and how you take care of yourself, which we'll address today, too, in terms of some things that I think are going to be helpful. But um, but also knowing why and, and, you know, in terms of beating the naysayers over the head, why what you're doing is so effective and why what you're doing and trying something different and focusing and, and staying with it is going to work for your family because you need to be able to say, um, shut it <laughs> to the people who are, who are, are heard, you know, giving you side eye when you're trying something different and, and responding to your kids outbursts in a different way and, um, getting out ahead of that. So the, the thing about, about that is to help you understand where I'm coming from and, and why I know what I know, what, why I know what, what I teach works and is effective and why I'm so steadfastingly confident. Um, because it's not just that, um, that I have the education to back it up, but because I have the results to back it up with the clients that I work with directly. Um, and, and so I wanted to give more information and, and share more about the background of, of this because the education is important for you as a parent when you try and figure out like who you're going to follow and, and who you're going to um, listen to and, 
and why you're going to listen to them because there's a lot of noise out there and it's really important to to pay attention to that. You know, it could just be like one parent, you know, willy nilly sharing stuff, what works for them. Or, you know, when you choose to find somebody who knows what they're doing, has results, but then also um, has the education to back it up that this is research based, it can help you feel more confident when you have to tell your mom, no, like, I'm not talking to my kid like that, or no, I'm not going to, you know, get put my kid in timeout or whatever. And so um, I wanted to talk about the four women who have put me in this place on this earth, um, it, out in front of you on Facebook and uh, have gotten me to this, this place in, in supporting highly sensitive kids and their parents uh, more directly through, through this space and um, talk a little bit about my journey and, and the education around that. Um, and so while I do that, I have to share more about what it is that drives the work and the passion and, and the confidence that I have in, in this work. And so I wanted to introduce somebody to you and, and her uh, in terms of the research that I've studied and, and how I got to this place. Um, and, and her, uh, her name is, is Marsha. Uh, her name is Marsha Linehan. So in, in the nineties, this woman, uh, Marsha Linehan decided to study people like herself. So she's a, um, psychologist based out of Seattle who has a pretty tumultuous history. Um, she's a highly sensitive person. And she didn't realize it, obviously, but she 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 experienced some pretty significant mental health issues in her early years, like 20s and, and I'm, I think teens, if I'm correct, in and out of hospitals with self-harm and um, self-harm issues and suicide, constant suicidality, thoughts of wanting to kill herself. And, and this was something that she'd experienced throughout her life, but then acted on those urges as a, a teen and, and an adult. Um, and then was able to address some pretty significant lifestyle changes that helped move her out of that pain and decided to study whether or not there were people like her and develop a particular type of therapy that was helpful um, that was helpful for her. And what she decided and discovered in her research was that there are people who are born sensitive. And so that's the highly sensitive personality trait that I teach about and, and um, speak about what's effective in parenting highly sensitive kids. And then when they grew, what she discovered is that when they grow up in an invalidating environment, um, they end up like her. So there's a ton of people in the world who end up with chronic thoughts of suicide and chronic attempts to hurt themselves. And um, they really struggle with therapy and uh, they're in and out of different you know, hospital settings and therapists actually um, frequently put a huge stigma like you don't want somebody like this on your caseload um, because it's it's really difficult to treat somebody like that. And, and so um, without Marsha, you know, without knowing what Marsha teaches. And so, Marsha developed a specific type of treatment that's really intensive to keep people out of the hospital, keep highly sensitive people out of the hospital and out of long-term care and therapy. Um, and it's effective. It's really, really effective. And and so I learned her work um, many years ago. I, I was, I've, and over the course of the years, I've taken many, many hours uh, in her treatment modality. 
And, and I, I've always wanted to work with younger children and started my work working with younger children. So I applied it to working with teens and it was really effective in, in that respect. Um, and so I, what I, I learned over the years is that her, her, um, what she teaches can, can be used to prevent this type of behavior for adults when you teach it effectively. And so that's one of the, the core things that I teach parents is to how to not invalidate their child in a chronic way. Because what Marsha discovered is that it doesn't, you don't have to have a traumatized childhood to end up with chronic suicidal thoughts and actions um, and dangerous and risky behaviors. It's not just suicidal thoughts. Um, you can just live in a household with a poor fit between parents and child. And um, if parents don't understand you and you are highly sensitive, you can end up like Marsha. And so she um, she researched this and found lots of people all over the U.S. who are who are just like that. And, and you know, that's what led to her her treatment modality. So anyways, to get back to, you know, why I do what I do. She, you know, her her research started in the 90s and, and um, you know, has continued and perfected and spread throughout the therapy world. But um, it's still a pretty long process. It takes, um, you know, the, the more effective model takes at least a year to get out of that, you know, difficult space for people. And so um, it's a, you know, because it's, it's pretty intense if you're thinking about wanting to kill yourself um, over and over and over again on a daily basis, then, then you need pretty intense work to keep yourself out of the hospital. So that's Marsha. And, and, you know, she learning her work really resonated with me because it was really important for me to stay focused on what actually works when you're working with people who are experiencing significant pain in their lives. And um, several years later, I came across uh, Elaine Aaron's work, and, and she's probably one whom you're more familiar with. She wrote the book, The Highly Sensitive Child. She actually started studying in the 90s whether or not people who are highly sensitive exist as well, and but from a different place. Um, she's just wanted to learn more about highly sensitive people, not necessarily highly sensitive people who who grow up with chronic suicidal thoughts and chronic aggressive behavior. Um, and she she studied and she backed up the research that Marsha um, Marsha found is that when children grow up in an invalidating environment and they're highly sensitive, they can really struggle and, and develop some pretty significant mental health issues. So it's really important for you and, you know, how to, you know, address that, how, what to, um, what to take from, from the information that I've shared with you is that what you're doing and learning and paying attention to by following me um, and changing the way that you, you parent your child is a direct ability is a direct skill to combat the naysayers and to stay energized as a parent of a highly sensitive child because we talked about before it's really draining and knowing that your decisions are backed not just in like anecdotes you know stories of of people who have done better but research and data and um you know studies that have been done all over the um you know the course of the the United States and, and across and abroad as well can be really helpful for you to stand your ground when other parents are like, well, you know, just tell your kid to suck it up or they just need more, more timeouts or whatever baloney they're trying to shove down your throat. And, um, and at that point, it's important to pay attention to the response that you're having in that moment and whether or not you're able to 
experience that confidence and share that confidence in parenting, you know, reparenting decisions um, in a way that is not anxiety producing. And so one of the things, one of the strategies that I'm, I'm focusing on today is to keep learning, to continue to stay um, informed about what's working. Make sure that you have a way to, or a pattern to, to catch what I'm talking about because it's, it's, it helps feed that sense of community that, um, that you need in order to feel like you're not alone in this whole process of parenting your highly sensitive child in a different way than 80% of the population would respond. You know, like we talked about before, highly sensitive people are 20% of the population. So the other 80% does just fine with or, you know, seemingly just fine. I have my own opinions with like various traditional parenting strategies. Um, and it's also true that highly sensitive children actually do very, very poorly with traditional parenting strategies and so much so that they can develop pretty significant mental health issues as a direct result of poor parenting strategies um, and more traditional parenting strategies. And so when I talk about in my group, you know, when kiddos are starting to think about whether or not um, life would go on if they weren't around, um, that's super serious and a big sign that um, that something's not working in your parenting environment. Because, as I mentioned before, um, it, it, highly sensitive kids who grow up in an invalidating environment can engage in some really risky and dangerous and life threatening behaviors. And it's no joke. Um and so if your strategy is to teach your child to button up their emotion or if that's what their their response is to whatever it is that that um, that you're teaching, then this is a serious problem for your kiddo, because if they're if they're buttoning up their emotions, then they are exploding. Obviously, we see that, but that, you know, that's going to move into strong, worse behaviors um, than than what you're seeing now without a significant plan to, to turn that around. So I wanted to talk more about not just the research, because I know that there's human connection other than just the fact that I you know, know what I'm talking about. But I've said this before, you know, my sister is highly sensitive. And so um, I also have the, you know, the familial um, connection to the fact that that our family did not know that she was highly sensitive. And and we struggled with thinking um that something was wrong with her as opposed to noticing that there was something not very effective in the family environment. And, um, and when we shifted that things got better in our relationships and in our household. And, and I think that's a key thing to pay attention to that um, when you as a parent are steadfast in your decision to pay attention to what it is that's draining your energy and, and, um, is, is that the people who are, who are trying to teach you how to parent that are not effective? Or is it, um, the fact that you're not taking care of yourself ahead of time? Or is it the fact that you're not, um, really aware of what's, what does work for parenting highly sensitive kids? Then you are going to be exhausted at the end of the evening. You are going to feel alone parenting your child. You are going to feel like everybody's against you, like the teachers are giving you side eye and they should be versus, um, they just lack the information that you have, which is, you know, what, you know, when I work directly with parents and my clients will say you know, they feel like they know how to talk to their, te the parents 
you know, how to talk to teachers and, and therapists involved and, and other uh, professionals involved in a way that the pediatricians in a way that helps them become part of the team, as opposed to you just feeling like you're out on an island um, learning and helping your child um, all on your own. And so when you think about who is in your corner, it's important to pay attention to what drains your energy as well, what relationships parent drain your energy, and how can you set some more effective boundaries around that so that you're not venting in that respect to those people who are going to tell you to do the exact opposite of what you know is true. And so that you're um, spending some time, more time taking care of yourself so that you can be readily available for your child and more present and, and effective in managing their meltdowns. So that's my key, um, key point for you today to, to, you know, points I should have said, I want to cover a bunch of stuff, but um, to recap is, is to pay attention to, what it is that you're doing to help yourself manage your own energy. So paying attention to those using calm down strategies yourself and managing that effectively yourself. And then um, turning out, turning, turning, tuning in to what I'm sharing so that you have the, the tools and the research to back up your response to what the the naysayers are you know the traditional parenting um cheerleaders are going to say to you when you're responding to your kid in a different way and and lastly paying attention to your own environment and see what's draining you because if it's draining you then you're not going to be able to create an environment that's not so draining for your child and so that kind of goes full circle the whole reason why you're here is to decrease the struggles that your child is having. And so I wanted to, I guess, sum up at that point to, to recognize that if you need support in figuring out what it is that's draining you or how to tackle those meltdowns or um, what it is that you need to be doing differently in your own perspective and mindset so that you feel more secure and confident in your, the strategies that you choose to parent your child and use ones that are actually productive and effective in creating a long-term change for your child so that they don't end up um, just complying to comply at home, but because they feel better and you're, because your relationship with your child is actually better than it is now, you really need to have that and hold that in your heart that this is the plan. This is the way you're going to be doing living your life differently. And, and when you have that purpose laid out for yourself, then it's easier to figure out where the motivation lies to 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 live a less exhausting life. Um, it's easier to make that decision and it's easier to decide to do something about it when you know that you're what you're doing is effective and and what you're doing is is avoiding the worst case scenario which might not necessarily be between now and and tomorrow but the long game um is is definitely you know everybody sets goals for their child you want to see your kiddo succeed in professions but you also want to have that you want them to be emotionally successful so if you think about preparing them and, and eliminating those daily meltdowns today means that you are avoiding a lifetime of mental health issues for your child tomorrow and, you know, five years from now. So um, I know a lot of the stuff that I teach is how to address some stuff that's going on now, but I really think that it's important for you to know why I branched out this way in, in um, 
because of you know what I believe. I believe that the work you're doing right now as your child's parent is setting your child up for their future. And, and if you don't have specific goals on how to address that emotional um, well-being for your child, then I can tell you your kiddo or somebody else is going to have goals for them. Um, and those might not be the goals that you want that for them. So think about that and, and taking charge of that and how you can pay attention to um, staying steadfast in that decision so that you can stay motivated and keep your energy high and, and keep the perspective that a ninja parent needs, which is certainty, um, certainty and confidence that what you're doing is effective because, um, you know, ninjas pay attention to all of the things coming on so they can block the punches, um, you know, from behind them or whatever, thinking about channeling Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris, <laughs> um, then, you know, that's what you need to be doing. So if you want more direct support with that, reach out for, for a phone call and we'll talk about what that looks like for your family. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.